Hello everyone and welcome to the 13th episode of Encrypted. Encrypted is a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the blockchain and crypto universe. I am Ahmed and I am coming to you live from Area 2071 in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And I am joined by my co-host Faisal. Good evening guys. This time we're doing it evening time, not afternoon. A change of pace. <laughs> yes, change of pace. It's been super busy here here in Dubai now, sort of event season is back. And today we actually have a lot of interesting content and news to share with you guys. So the first one um, is the myth of the infrastructure phase. This was a a really interesting um, thought piece from Union Square Ventures. And we really liked um, this article. And essentially what they're trying to say is that there is a narrative in the crypto space that first we need to sort of build great tools or you know infrastructure and once we have the infrastructure then we kill we can build um, apps on top of it um, and what that basically means is you know if we were to think of Facebook as an app and the internet as infrastructure you can't have you know Facebook without the internet and so they're kind of saying that before we have you know this infrastructure we actually need one killer app to actually pave the way so that new infrastructure can be built to support and grow these killer apps. And so it was really interesting because, you know, we've never had this narrative in crypto before. I mean, what we've been seeing in the last sort of year and a half is that many people are trying to build protocols um, in order to, you know, scale blockchains, in order to actually create tools for developers. But then the question arises, will these tools actually be suitable for these you know, developers? Do they actually need it, right? And so, I mean, one of the clearest examples from, from this article, which I like, they said, um, you know, when a plane was invented, it didn't need, um, it didn't need an airport, airport. right? It, it's, you know, they actually, when the Wright brothers invented it, they, just, they were on a field. But in order to make it mass market, airports are needed. Yeah, I guess uh, it's uh, first of all, it's a really interesting kind of discussion. It's like the chicken and the egg, yeah. uh, which is needed first. Uh, I mean, just uh, just to lay some foundation, I mean, like I said, um, an app is easily comprehensible. I mean, everyone understands what's, what's an app. I mean, it doesn't have to be a mobile app, but it can be any kind of an app, a web or something. But the infrastructure uh, is something that facilitates running that app according to our standards and the interesting thing here is that our standards keep evolving uh, yeah. in a very rapid pace i mean the article does mention that youtube couldn't have been built on on the infrastructure provided in 1995 and that's absolutely true and i remember back in the days where we were just happy with the internet connection that's like 128 kilobytes mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the, the dial-up and modem uh, era and now we are not even satisfied with like a 10 GB line or a oh. 100 GB line or a 50 GB line. So our expectations are uh, evolving so rapidly, which forces the infrastructure to evolve. But I do believe with the I, I do believe that the article points a very valid um, point is that you actually need the apps to be there first before the infrastructure, because. I mean, the article mentions one point is that it doesn't make sense to build an infrastructure that you don't know whether you'll need or not. That's one thing. It's so hard to predict an infrastructure without having a need for it. 
But also, I would like to add is that uh, cost-wise, I mean, yeah. it's much cheaper to build a killer app than to build an entire infrastructure to support it. That I I do agree with that, but there's also this sort of this time building infrastructure in in this day and age, especially with blockchain center mechanisms. It makes it more you know it makes it more appealing to create an infrastructure because you could potentially accrue all that value at the infrastructure layer and so because there are tokens you know within these protocol layers and these tokens are needed to actually um, use these protocols then a lot of people be thinking you know what there is more incentive in actually creating infrastructure rather than the app and you know we've been seeing you know there's been especially in the ICO market in the past year, there's been so many apps that have been, or dApps, decentralized applications, that have been funded, as well as um, infrastructure um, um, level projects, especially since we saw CryptoKitties. And I think that once, so CryptoKitties, for those of you who are unaware, it was a decentralized application on the Ethereum blockchain. And essentially people could, you know, you know trade these kitties that were, represented on the blockchain you could breathe them with anyone and then these and and the rare kitties were actually selling for so much that i think one of them went for one hundred forty thousand dollars. exactly yeah but the idea is that because this game was so popular it actually clogged up the ethereum network and what that showed everyone is like guys you know the most popular blockchain is slow so what did that actually um, allow other developers to do they're like okay let's just build a faster blockchain something that has you know sort of bigger throughput exactly but now as more people so there's a lot of projects that are trying to do this but it takes time to for this exactly. to do it right and and the and the beautiful thing i mean uh, tying it back because we, we're not just discussing infrastructure and apps in general we, mm-hmm. we're tying it back to the blockchain and you started that ahmed but the other interesting point is that maybe the infrastructure when it comes to blockchains is not something specific mm-hmm. so for example, the Bitcoin infrastructure is not something very specific to Bitcoin. I mean, you just need a machine where you run the client on and there, boom, you have the infrastructure. The same goes for uh, Ethereum. I mean, yeah, there are some kind of special uh, nodes uh, per se, but you don't have to build the entire thing. Uh, and it's not so dependent on on it being very specific to this use case. So. Um, I do agree. I mean, a lot of people uh, throw out this argument saying that, oh, we've been hearing a lot of blockchain and blockchain and blockchain and a buzzword and so on, but we don't see an actual application that benefits, you know, that you can use in your daily life. And to some extent, this is true because we still didn't have that killer app. Yeah. Once that is in place, I'm sure, uh, just like the, the, the case that you mentioned about Ethereum and CryptoKitties, this will drive the infrastructure advancement. I agree. So just before we go into the next article, I'm, for those who are listening, please read this article. I mean, there are these really great diagrams which shows um, apps, you know, for example, the, the apps in 1970, 1972 were messaging and email. And the infrastructure that followed that was Ethernet, TCIP, ISPs, and SendMail. And they go from 1970 till t- 2018. If you look at all the apps, you've definitely heard of them. If you look at all the infrastructure, 
I guarantee you 90% of them would be yeah, like, never, yeah. what, what is this? <laughs> exactly, right? yeah. And, and one, one other analogy that might resonate with this idea is that the notion of uh, artificial intelligence and data. Mm -hmm. I mean, artificial intelligence has been there since like the 50s or the 80s or the 70s. I mean, it's been there for so long as a concept and there was a lot of applications behind it. But it gained so much traction I mean, if we consider artificial intelligence being an infrastructure in this analogy, it gained so much traction once data become, became available. In that case, data is the application, just to draw some kind of analogy. So now, the artificial intelligence infrastructure is getting stronger and stronger and stronger because you have that killer app, quote-unquote killer app, which is data in this case. So I do... I do agree a lot with the article and it's a really beautiful piece of article i i encourage you all reading it and the diagrams are are really really nice that's a great analogy and i'm, I'm glad you brought it up and moving to our next article this one is from bloomberg.com and it says that crypto is now the only way isolated venezuelans can buy passports I see you're shaking your head face, so <laughs> do you want to go into this? I mean, <laughs> there is so much news going on when it comes to Venezuela and whatever they got, the government is doing when it comes to uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain. So for those of you who are not aware, Venezuela has an, is it official? Yes, Petro? It's, yeah, it's official. It's and an apparently official, the yeah. sale of this cryptocurrency is going to be on the 5th of November. Yeah. For those of you who are not aware, I mean, Venezuela have, uh, has their own um, uh, currency, uh, cryptocurrency, it's called Petro, and uh, one Petro is, is worth uh, 3,600 Bolivars, and one uh, Bolivar, uh, I mean, uh, seven Bolivars is equivalent to one dollar. Mm. So, this is one of the few, I mean, one of the few countries that actually has um, an official cryptocurrency, yeah, and I and think... Are they the only one? Maybe, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. It looks like it. Officially, I mean, yeah. I mean, they are, they are the only ones. Look at the website. It's got proper white paper. And it says yeah, the sale exactly. is starting exactly. on November the 5th. And, and it's just that um, right now, uh, I mean, the government is trying to force even, I guess, more adoption or <laughs> to be in the same, you know, to look at it from the good side, they are forcing more adoption. And then now they are force um, Venezuelans that... Um, to get their passports, they have to pay using the petrol. Yeah. Now, like I said, if you're trying to look at this from the positive side, it might increase adoption and maybe the economic drive will increase and the cycles will be better for them. But, I mean, looking at their situation and how they are already, you know, suppressed in a couple of ways, I'm not sure what is the goal behind this move? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really interesting if you look deep into it. So apparently this petrol is it's backed by oil and mineral reserves, which is sort of, you know, controlled by obviously the, the Venezuelan government. And so as, you know, most people will be aware, this will not be, uh, you know, this, this currency will be something that's issued by the government. It's not decentralized. Um, and it's really funny because when there was a few comments about this on Twitter and there's this person who said, oh, look, if you look at their white paper, they actually copied a few things from other projects like Dash, for example. <laughs> and to be honest with you, there's nothing wrong with that because there's a reason why there, there are these um, 
open source projects. I mean, an open source project is essentially out there in the open for anyone to actually use if they want. Did they, uh, did they at least reference them? <laughs> I'm not sure if they re referenced them. I, they definitely translated the English to, <laughs> to, to Spanish. Um, but, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, it looks like, okay, if they use some bits of Dash's white paper, it means that they actually did their research and said, okay, we like sort of these aspects. And, yeah, I mean, we'll see how this goes. I mean, we, we picked this article because we thought it's, it's actually a really interesting um, sort of phenomenon that's, that's going on, especially in a country that's facing... A lot of challenges both economically and you know socially yeah i mean the, just to also highlight um, like the citizens perspective i mean this kind of currency is not something easily easily obtainable and it's not something that we i'm not sure how is it done um, on ground but i don't think it's something that you for example can do over the web or on a mobile application that you can purchase and so on or do like go out for a bank and exchange your uh, bolivars with uh, this petrol coin but that w I mean the article does say that this introduces a new hurdle for people who are also trying to escape Venezuela because of different reasons because now you need to get your hands into this coin and then pay using that coin for a passport in order to be able to travel mm -hmm. so I mean in my honest opinion <laughs> this is just the uh, one of the worst implementations of any cryptocurrency. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be excited when China comes out with with their version. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on to our next article, this is from CryptoBriefing.com, and I really like the title of this. It says ICOs get green light in the UAE, and essentially this comes on the back of on uh, yesterday. Uh, Obeid Saif al-Zaabi, who's from the UAE Securities Watchdog, has said that the Board of the Emirates Securities and Commodities Authority has approved considering ICOs as securities. And as per our plan, we should have regulations on the ground in the first half of 2019. And uh, this has been, at least here in the UAE, and especially in Dubai, this is, you know, a lot of people have um, taken this news with with excitement, they've praised it as well because, you know, the regulator has kind of, you know, indicated that something will be coming in 2019. And although there are positives and negatives from this, I really think this is something that's absolutely needed. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, there are positives and negatives and, and we can argue all day about whether an ICO should be regulated as a security or uh, any other uh, means. Yeah, I didn't so. like the fact that they said ICOs as securities, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is how... how uh, and we did cover, uh, like, the, a very high-level news on this, I remember, in episode three or so mm -hmm. with Amin. Uh, and we had the same discussion at that time as well. I mean, is it the right thing to regulate it as a security? Uh, because regulating uh, an ICO as a security, it means that it will undergo heavy auditing and heavy regulations and heavy legislations. So that's up for debate. But the fact that um, um, an authority like the SCA, who are, uh, for those of you who are not aware, they are responsible for the securities and commodities uh, domain in the UAE, they're a federal entity. I mean, for the, 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 the fact that an entity, a government entity or a government authority is actually looking into this and doing a lot of progress into this and trying to achieve something out of it, at least, at least in, I mean, 
the worst thing that can happen is that they could learn a lot about this. Uh, they could understand how ICOs work, what is the economic impact behind it, and how can it uh, flourish the economy in the UAE, um, how can they open new investment opportunities abroad, uh, international trades, and so on. So I think that's a very positive move, all in all. Um, now, how is it being done, regulated, um, the details of it? You could you could argue a lot. I mean, uh, for me, I, I just think that this is positive. If it turns out wrong, then they will learn and then they will adjust accordingly. Okay, so I think this is really interesting. Why? Because, of course, the UAE has sort of consciously started to move away from oil and looked at other things. And this, you know, ICOs could be a new way for companies here um, to actually sort of raise money. Of course, it's a new way of funding. But because of how, you know, UAE and particularly Dubai, you know, it's easier to make regulation because of, you know, the, the size of, of the country and the city, isn't this an, a really good excuse for them to try and lead it, right? Like how Malta are doing it, how Liechtenstein are doing it, even Switzerland to some extent as well. I mean, especially if Dubai want to sort of diversify their economy, why shouldn't they sort of, you know, lead the space and sort of be one of the early adopters because fundamentally, whether we like it or not, especially for our listeners who are from the enterprise background or who like private blockchains or whatever, crypto is an element part of the blockchain ecosystem. That's where the money is. That's how you get innovators, you know, come in and actually create something. And so I really think this is something that the UAE can actually push forward more and more. I think this is a good first step, like you said, but I think there can be more in terms of attracting more talent in order to actually say, okay, let's use ICOs as a good way. Let's define all these different types of tokens and we'll be able to accommodate um, them all. And this will give a lot of cl clarity to the ecosystem and banks, essentially. Exactly. But uh, of course, there are a lot of missing pieces out there. And um, we will try to get someone from the SCA uh, just to come in here and try to explain uh, their rationale behind this. Uh, and yeah, if you are listening, um, if you are from a securities and commodities authority, please please get in touch with <laughs> us. <laughs> but what I was saying is that there are a lot of missing pieces to this uh, article. I mean, we don't know their motives. It could be that their rationale is uh, there's a lot of movement being done in this domain. We don't want to ban it, so let's just regulated um, the, top, the, the, the top level of regulations for now, and then we'll work our way downwards from there. This could be one thing. The other thing is that they might have, you know, insights on a lot of consumer protection issues. The money's being lost, money's being um, uh, wrongfully invested in projects that disappear and so on. So again, they want like a quick solution. So they say, let's treat it as a security for now and let's place all kinds of regulations on it, and then move away from that. Um, the, I, I completely agree with you that this is not, perhaps this is not the, the ideal uh, move. Like, they're not, you know, being, uh, because when something is a security, flexibility tends to be very low. I mean, it's heavily regulated. Uh, because there's a lot of consumers' um, uh, investment going into that. So you have to regulate it very closely, uh, and this is what they're proposing to do. But 
the only thing that I I hope I hope that they don't do it this way is that they want they 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 go into the deep details of every step of every specific of the ICOs and and put a rule on there. This is kind of you know um, um, a rule based. Yeah, uh, could policy. be a deal breaker. As well. Yeah, exactly. It could it could potentially ruin everything. If you're going it, um, if you're going in an approach of rule based uh, policies, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be inflexible and so on. What they could do is, I wish that they, uh, this is what they're thinking or at least considering, is going about it like a principle based approach. You, I mean, it's it's something uh, similar to saying like, if you want to do an ICO, just make sure you do one, two, three, four. But it doesn't. It's not saying like, if you want to do an ICO, you have to do this one, two, three, four, five in that domain. Then in this domain, you have to do one, two, three, four, five, and make sure you're not doing one, two, three, four, five, six. I seven. love that. And every details is out there. So this is kind of a very strict framework. So again, lots of missing pieces, but all in all, I think this is a good uh, first step. I really like that that analogy that you brought up because I think it's um, it's something that would pave the way for you know a flourishing future in the, in the crypto ecosystem so that that's all we have for you guys today and if you really liked what you heard please let us know if you don't if you disagree with any of our thoughts do get in touch with us we're on instagram twitter linkedin um, you could find us on at encrypted and make sure you subscribe to the channel via itunes and um let a friend know about the podcast yes and i do want to remind everyone although uh, it's very hard that uh, this skips you jitex is next week so uh, we will be there inshallah as encrypted Uh, you're welcome to let us know if you're coming in there we could have a chat we can discuss a couple of things Uh, you can also get uh, i mean we could interview you and get your insights into things and uh, uh, don't also forget to pass by Smart Dubai. There's a lot of exciting uh, things going on in the domain of blockchain. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there. Cool. See you then. See you. Thank you.